Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We have a fantastic week of GSP episodes planned for all of you listeners as we try to prepare you for the year's third Grand Slam. That's right, the 2021 Wimbledon already upon us. It does feel like just yesterday we were watching Novak Djokovic, Barbara Krejcikova capture Grand Slam titles in Paris, but no. We have already reached the year's third Grand Slam, and it feels so great to have grass court tennis back in our lives after we missed the 2020 grass court season, but... We've got Wimbledon qualifying starting this week, and to help prepare all of you listeners for all of that action, let you know who is in the field, who you can expect to see advance to the main draw again of the year's third Grand Slam event, I brought in our friend David Gertler, writer at Cracked Rackets, writer for Last Word on Tennis, to discuss all of the Wimbledon qualifying action. We name our locks for both the men's and women's events. We talk about the young players we're keeping an eye on. We talk about the dangerous players we see lingering elsewhere in the draw as well. It's a fantastic conversation. Of course, whenever we have David, we're going to talk a little challenger tennis as well. And at the end, we kind of rapid fire with our takes through last week's five events. But it's a fantastic conversation. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. And again, the big key here, our plan to get you all ready for the 2021 Wimbledon. It's not just going to be this qualifying recap or I suppose preview podcast, but we'll have our top men's and women's contenders. We'll talk dark horses. We'll do draw breakdowns as well. All of that scheduled to be discussed at some point throughout the week on our Great Shot podcast feed, so be on the lookout for all of those episodes here. And of course, the reason we are able to do all of these things, to have these fantastic discussions day in, day out here on this podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Turn a Tennis. Look, it's summertime. 
let's be honest, you are sweating more out there on the court than you normally do during the fall, during the winter months, and as such, you're going to go through more grips than you normally do. I know for myself personally, it takes me about 25 minutes of hardcore tennis to have sweat through a grip. Now, that's a me problem. Hopefully, you guys are a little bit more durable than that, but the way I have entered a cheat code A, you'd be amazed by how well wristbands work. For the longest time, I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand why players reach this, but when you hit a certain threshold, you actually have to have some sort of wristband, sweatband on you. For me, that's part one. Part two is turning my grips to turn a grip because as you guys know, turn a grip's the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat. Its performance in hot and humid conditions is unmatched, and you guys already know that iconic trademarked blue color that can be seen on hundreds of touring pros can be seen on your racket as well. Here's what you have to do. You're going to contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner Tennis family. You mentioned Crack Racket sent you. You'll get college pricing. You'll get some free samples thrown in there as well. It's simple, folks. You email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. Let's be honest. You can find Turner Grip wherever you shop for your tennis needs, but if you want to hook us up here at Crack Rackets, you'll contact or email them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. We are so grateful for the continued support we get from our friends at Turner Tennis. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. With that in mind, Let's get to our conversation, talking Wimbledon qualifying and, of course, a little bit of ATP Challenger Tour talk with our friend, David Gertler. Hey, Cracked fans. Before we get back to today's episode, I just want to let all of you listeners know that all of the content we produce here at CR is made possible due to the support we get from our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming equipment in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, folks. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. And in a twist of poetic justice, I think our friends at Manscaped know the grass court season is upon us here in the tennis world. In honor of that grass court season, they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their most sensitive region of their body with this exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free world Worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. That's right. They let us stick with the tennis theme. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. And look, a little personal testimonial. I think anyone who's met me in two seconds will be like, eyebrows, thick, legs, very hairy. Guess what? It looks that way everywhere, folks. And I can tell you firsthand, Manscaped gets the job done. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com and make shaving time your favorite time. Manscaped.com. The promo code is NEWBALLSPLEASE. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a voice all of you Crack Rackets listeners will be familiar with at this point. You may know him as a writer for Last Word on Tennis, a writer on our website, CrackRackets.com. You may also know his blog, the All About Tennis blog. I know him as my friend, David Gertler. David, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? 
doing pretty good. I went on a run this morning and I swear to God, when you run in New Orleans, it's like you're running through like a, like a sauna. It, I am, <laughs> it was by the end, it literally looked like I jumped in the bathtub. <laughs> that's a great morning. By the way, that's a humble brag on this podcast. You got the run in already this morning. I'm slightly <laughs> jealous. I'll get my run in later today. And that was the little motivation I need, but I can only imagine what that's like. It must be what, even if you're running at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m., it's got to be 80 degrees already. It It's not, it, well, it is the heat, but a lot of the times it's the humidity just mm-hmm. drains you, you know? Mm-hmm. That's true. Is it a double beignet day, though, because you got the run in? <laughs> uh, it is a scarce ground around the house day, I think. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. I was home this past week. And I think the thing you miss most when you're home, home, meaning I was at my parents' house, is just how much food they have around. It's like, oh, yeah, you've been adults for 45 years now. You guys know it's grocery time. Go get more groceries. <laughs> do what you got to do. And it's like, oh, the snackage was delightful. I think that's the thing I'm going. I mean, other than their presence, their company, all of the above, it's the of food course, that, that keeps bringing you back <laughs> home. But no, I, I just made a Costco run myself with my dad. And I don't think there's any better feeling than when you come back and you're like oh i've got 60 granola bars now for the next month like it's it's a scale thing and so anyways that's a fun tangent certainly uh i'm glad to hear you got your run in because it's gonna be a long day of tennis viewing for us tennis fans long week in particular you look today we've got qualifying starting on the men's and women's side at wimbledon rain washing away the qualifying action that was scheduled for monday that means we're doubling up on a lot of the schedule and just to start with the why are qualifying uh, at Grand Slams appealing to fans, uh, David, because I think this would be a fun discussion for us to have. Obviously, these players are competing for a spot in the main draw of the year's third Grand Slam. And whenever there's Grand Slam qualifying, they're always doing that. So that in itself is appealing. But these qualifying events they're really ATP challengers on steroids, right, David? If you are a player who's playing at the challenger level week in, week out, your goal is to put yourself in a rankings position to get into these Grand Slam qualifying events, not only for the money you would reach, uh, you would earn if you make the main draw, but the points as well. These qualifying events, you know, it's a high level of tennis and a high level importance as well to all of these players. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would say, and I've heard this before, that the final round of qualifying for a major is the most pressure-packed part of the sport, besides like a Grand Slam final, but relatively speaking, uh, because I think personally it's the prize money that makes it so so tough for the players mentally, because if you look at the challenger prize money or futures, you know, for those rising quickly, you know that it's very low. And if you look at the Grand Slam first round prize money, all four slams, it's it's really, really, really high compared to what they're getting at Challengers. So it's so important to not only get into qualifying, but to somehow maneuver your way into the main draw. And a lot of it's luck. Like, for instance, if you see Wimbledon qualifying, you'll see section four, the one with uh, Zhang, has a lot of clay quarters. And then you look at, for instance, uh, I believe it's a Kudla section has a lot of grass court players. So it really is a lot of luck, but you have, but in order to even get the potential for luck, you have to get yourself in the main, into the qualifying draw. So it's so important to these players to do that. 
We talk about it all of the time on these challenger centric podcasts or whenever you're on the show, whenever we have a bunch of guests on the show, that 250 mark in the rankings for both the men and the women, it's a crucial stepping stone to hit because you do then, as you mentioned, get the opportunity to compete not only for the points, not only for the chance to get into a main draw and God willing, you're able to win a first round match at a grand slam. Now you get some serious points under your belt. Now you're jumping, you know, under normal times, 25 five to 50 spots in the rankings you're not worrying yeah. about getting into challengers moving forward or if you're mm-hmm. in that upper half of the top 200 uh upper half meaning you know the 100 to 200 range 150 and onwards now maybe you can start getting into atp qualifying now maybe you can start yeah. to take some chances during the summer hard court swing and you talk about the prize money let's just name the number first round losers this year got a 6.67 percent raise shout out to wimbledon compared to two years ago $48,000. That's the check you get if you lose your first round match. Now you want to yeah. say after taxes, you're only going to get, let's say 30,000 of that. That's fine. That $30,000 is the biggest payday for 90% of those challenger players over the course of the year from a single tennis event. Right. And right. that pays for another three months of flights and hotels and food and all of the livelihood, the things you just need to be a professional yeah. athlete. So you're absolutely right to emphasize the money and it's worth discussing because again, whenever we talk prize money and the inequities that are currently found on tour at the various levels, the slams are the center of the tennis world. And there's, you know, they're also the center of tennis fans attention. There's the reason the prize money pools there are bigger than everywhere else. And it's nice to see these slams again, redistribute that money. So that first round losers do get a bigger cut of the pot. Uh, because again, we just talked about it. How important are these grand slam first round matches to these players competing extraordinarily important. And that, as you mentioned, leads to, I don't want to say desperation because I think that's a bit hyperbolic, but just the level of competition you see from these players. And yes, the pressures, once you reach that grand slam final qualifying round and let's just get right into it, David, talk about. Yeah. I meant to, uh, I just want to correct myself. I, it was McDonald's section was the one with a lot of grass quarters, not Kudalas. Sorry. No, it's, Hey, I appreciate that correction right away. And we saw Mac and McDonald. Well, let's get right into it because, you know, uh, as, as disappointing as it is for me, you wrote a fantastic, disappointing in the sense that it's not under our Cracked Rackets banner. I always like to read your qualifying preview articles. Oh, I think they're the best uh, to get a primer of the action we can expect to unfold. And, you know, again, you, you also, I like that you post your predictions on Twitter and at Tennis Blogger One. If you aren't already, they're always wrong. David. <laughs> that, oh, it doesn't matter that they're wrong. Put, I, I just like people who put their name on it, who say, you know what? Here are my thoughts. If I'm wrong, so be it. But I like that you have the gumption to at least put your thoughts out there, David. And that's what really matters. Oh, it's, 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 it's all about the gumption. But, <laughs> you know, again, you look section by section. Let's start with the players who I just think I would be shocked if they don't qualify for this event and you look at the qualifying sections. And for those who don't know, uh, I believe it's, and correct me if I'm wrong here, David, is it, I want to say it, it's not eight sections of qual. It's 16, right? 16. Yeah, qualifiers 16. Emerge, right. Yeah. It's 16, eight per half. How many locks do you have? You look across the board, you look across your predictions. How many players are there that you would be I'm- shocked if they don't advance through qualifying? On grass, it's so tough because you just don't have a lot of experience playing on the surface. You know, 
players haven't played since 2019. So it's hard to judge. I would be shocked if the following players didn't qualify. Okay, you ready? I am I, ready. Okay. And excuse me for the pronunciations. <laughs> Major Zach. Uh, Camille, the number Zach, one your seed. number one seed. Yes. Yes. Um, the number two seed, Mackenzie McDonald. I would be shocked if uh, Dennis Kudla, who I think is fantastic on, on uh, grass, doesn't qualify. I would be shocked if uh, Arthur Rinderknecht doesn't qualify. Um, and then that's really, that would be, that's probably it um, in terms of people that I think are locked. Uh, I would say out of all of them, the, the one I'm most confident in is, again, excuse me, uh, Rinderknecht. Yeah, no, first of all, Rinderneck, you nailed. That is the exact pronunciation. And as always, Gigum, go Aggies, uh, former college tennis standout. I would agree with all of those names. And by the way, that's a conservative lock list, only four of 16 locks. And I think that does speak to the parody we expect to see. Also, again, the abbreviated nature of this grass court season, right? The fact that we've only gotten to see, I think it's two ATP challengers on grass during uh, these past two weeks. Yep. And of course, uh, you look at those two events who were able to take them home. Tiapo beats Kudla in the first event in Nottingham. You look uh, this past, or excuse me, were they in Nottingham that first week? They were. Nottingham, uh, Nottingham right? one, yeah, yeah, Nottingham and it's back one. to back. I forget it goes Nottingham one, Nottingham two, but you look at Nottingham two in the end. Uh, ultimately, it was Alex Bolt advancing over Camille Matrasak, but we have seen Matrasak make a final on the grass. He's gotten a week of matches under his belt. He looked, you he looked good. I um, mean, I saw him play. He lost to Kuda in the first Nottingham. He mm -hmm. had a match point in that match though, and he was serving great uh, until I guess until he had to serve for the match, but. Uh, it was, uh, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't qualify. No, I, I think that's a really good one. Now, where that section gets interesting for me is that at the, uh, you know, uh, or I guess that's not the bottom half. Uh, it, it's not his section. Excuse me. I, I do think Matrasak is a lock. Where the Mackey section gets interesting, and Mackey McDonald today, I believe, advancing in three sets over Kimmer Copenhagen, 6-2 in the third. Hoosler, Kokonakis, Cressy. They've yeah. all got the weapons on grass courts to make play very, very interesting. And even for Mackey's second round match, match in Ilya Marchenko, who's just played well this year in general, that might be the single most loaded section in all of these qualifying. And I agree with you, Mackey McDonald, who's a former Wimbledon round of 16 uh, qualifier, who uh, has certainly played top 100 tennis this season as he's come back from injuries and has roared his way back towards that top 100. I made a bold prediction at the beginning of the year when he was, I think, outside the top 200. I said, he's going to get back. I saw him play. Uh, and I just thought, the opportunities he's going to make the most of them. He's up to number 108, David, in the live rankings. Yes. I think we all agree Mackie McDonald is going to end this season back inside the top 100. But, you know, again, Cressy, by the way, 7-6 first set over the cock. Hoosler's got the weapons as well. I mean, I agree. I lean Mackie. But I don't, like Mackie versus Kokonakis. Is that a lock to you that Mackie wins that match? Here's what I think about Mackie. Um, I, like I said before, this is the section that stood out to me is the most players that I thought could play on grass. But I just think that Mackey's at another level compared to the rest of the qualifying field. I see him as an ATP level player. And I think it's even though 
you know, he did go three sets to Co- to Copahans today. Kimmer Copahans is always going to fight and make things tough on players. Y'all know that a lot of y'all know at least that I am a big Kimmer Copahans fan. I he's going to always fight and hang in there. I just think that McDonald maybe some first match jitters gets him out of the way, and I I just don't see anyone beating him. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, no might be Kokonakis might be a little bit injured. Uh, Cressy has been low energy and not playing well before at least today. Uh, Wessler, uh, Kusler cannot return very well. Uh, he's off a break in the third set against Sid Suberby. And then Yulia Marchenko, um, is on his last legs, I think, of his career. He's a good player, he can play on faster surfaces, but I just mm-hmm. don't think that he has the return game and i don't think his serve is quite strong enough to beat mackie it's fair it's just a lot of big weapons for mackie to deal with i guess it's just like you think and by the way low energy crusty is a fantastic nickname that we may just have to mix in here um but it's just like if Cressy has a good day serving, you do think, you know, A, two UCLA guys, that'd be a fun match. B, oh, yeah. his ability to just get that first ball low at Cressy's feet, play from there. Yeah, you still lean Mackey because, as you mentioned, it's just he's so much more dynamic, and he does do such a good job of absorbing and redirecting first strike and playing this precision tennis. And you look, obviously, uh, on Tennis Abstract, they've got their grass court ELO ratings, and they're not the most exact science just because there's been such a low quantity of grass court matches in the past two seasons. But you look for Mackie McDonald. He's a guy inside the top 30 of the grass court specific ELO ratings. He is a prohibitive favorite. I just, you know what? I'll make him a lock as well. I'm with you, David. You convinced me. I agree. He's just playing a different level than those other guys. It's not that they're bad. It's that he's exceptional. Yeah. And his game really suits the grass so well. He has a nice serve. Ground strokes are flatter. They cut through the court. I just think it all works for him on grass. Um, And, you know, it, nothing's a lock let's let's take the term lock out of tennis Uh, i i hate i hate that term lock just because anything can happen in a tennis match counterpoint we've seen it all you know counterpoint is novak Djokovic a lock to win this 2021 men's singles title no i think he could get beat no way and i'm not just saying that because i i was uh fight him on twitter with a couple of his fans like a month or two ago i i really i don't think that i think he's vulnerable to uh what let, let's say a 2016 i believe it's 2016 sam query type player and you know who that player there. is is it's matteo berrettini who if we're being honest played him closest at the french open like berrettini came closest to beating him i think it's i think that's like your second like if it's not bear i mean first of all i think Djokovic is such a prohibitive favorite in a way he hasn't been in many like in years at a slam like i just i don't know who's going to who's going to reach that level i did this is a tangent for another time but we haven't talked about a lot out of you alex i'm telling you it's not a lie yeah but did you see him recover from beating rafa freaking nadal at the french open losing the first two sets to Tsitsipas, and then winning the next three sets in dominant fashion like did you see him do that because if he can do that and he's had two weeks off i think he'll be okay i agree but wimbledon (laughs) crazy things can happen wimbledon is that surface where you you get a Rasol 20, what was it? What year did he beat Rafa? Uh, yeah, something like you know, that. You get that big server having a good day, that query. 
against Novak. You just never know. A little uh, Sergei Stakovsky action. Yeah. Yeah, Sergei Stakovsky, who's in qualifying. Uh, I, I don't believe he started yet. Uh, maybe has. No, I don't think he has either. Who's, I think, playing his last Wimbledon, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karlovic probably playing his last Wimbledon. It's kind of sad, to be honest. Uh, how many of these players that we've you know grown up watching that are playing at the end of their careers um, no this feels like our first generational shift david again we're we're in tangent mode here but i agree with you like it does feel like again you look at last week's results where it's ugo Ambera and matteo berrettini and it's you know guys in the finals uh obviously faa's made a couple of finals and just across the board we had a jack draper run it does feel like every andre rublev makes a final as well it does feel like it's the next gen's world except for in the slam finals like even here in qualifying you just see it in each and every one of these events this is at least for us as fans this feels like our first generational shift yeah although you know who i'm happy to see back in wilmington qualifying i'm gonna say martin cleason no duty seller <laughs> oh out the of, duty. yeah out of nowhere he's back in action battling in the third set uh it's good to see he was a good grass quarter in his day made the fourth round of wimbledon i in 2009 i think that sounds about right. I'll take your word for it. But no, it's again, it's good to see. By the way, Sebastian Baez, first set to him against Matt Ebden. If I would have told you Baez wins a set on grass, I think it would have shocked both of us. But again, look not as much as Juan Manuel <laughs> taking yeah, a set. Who, who won his first set earlier today. But again, looking at the draw and to get back to some of the locks, uh, your thoughts on you know the the Ben Bonzi section where he gets through his first match, and I believe he was a semifinalist last week in Nottingham as well before getting knocked out by Matrizak. I just think he's a guy, it's so funny watching grass court tennis, you forget, you know, going down the line or opening up a, a ball into the outer thirds, it can be the kiss of death. Because if you're the one who's initiating, okay, let's get this ball in the outer thirds, you better damn well hit a winner. Because if you open yeah. up space, it's that it's just so difficult to move on these grass courts that your reply to the opening of space is often a really difficult shot to hit. And I just think Bonzi's a guy who does a really efficient job opening space, who's so precise with his shots in the way a Matthew McDonald. I mean, it, that's not the best comparison to the down the line, but just as a well-rounded skill set, good off of both wings, can go down the line, can go cross court, is going to be efficient with where they hit the plus one ball, not just try and blow it by you. I also look at his section. I think it's a pretty opportune section. I actually think that Altmaier match in his next round will, might be the toughest in the section. That would be another guy I would add to the lock wow. category. Wow. I would look. At, wow, and again, I don't agree with that. We, we right. disagree. There. Good. Make the pushback. Okay. Well, I'll start off by saying Fikovic today, he's a clay quarter and he hadn't played since 2020. Sure. Uh, so I don't take anything out of that match. I do agree that Benjamin Bonds is a very solid player. He's having a great season. Uh, but Altmaier, big serve, can flatten at the backhand. Which, and I really think that even though he's had a lot, a lot of success on clay, I think he can... He has the type of game that can translate well to grass. And then in the other half of this mini section, I would say it's weaker, but Evgeny Donskoy is who I have qualifying. I liked how he played in Nottingham one. He beat Nakashima and he beat McDonald. Uh, 
McKen- the McDonald that we've been talking up the past 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just think that he's a sneaky good grass court player, and I expect him to qualify. Now, Bons- I'm not saying that Bonzi is a- totally zero chance of qualifying. I just personally would lean Don's point, and I definitely wouldn't have him as a lie. I, I do agree. I, I, it's fair to say that Donskoy has the sort of weapons and again, that he's going to be able to absorb and perhaps have the bigger weapons against a Ben Bonsi. But I just, I like the way Bonsi's played this season. And, you know, he was a guy who earlier for us in the year was someone who was constantly in our discussions when we're talking ATP challenger, all-stars guy who made a right. bunch of quarterfinals, semifinals earlier in the year. And then again, the big results in Nottingham to beat a Zoom her to beat a Copal, uh, you know, 39 and 24 in his last 52. I just think he's a tough out. And I framed it this way at the start. These qualifying events are so much just a reflection of what we see at the Challenger Tour week in, week out. The guys that are hot there often come to these Challenger events and have success, uh, come to these qualifying events, excuse me, and have success. So I'm sticking with Bonzi. Lock that in. Right. He, he's a lock for me. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Wow. Now, I'm going to throw one more at you. Okay. Do we think Bernard Tomic is a lock? Let's look at his section. He gets through Kavchic. One could have argued that was the toughest match in his section. Next, he's got Zapata Morales, who certainly the young Spaniard has played well of late, but predominantly his success has come on the clay, precisely. You look at the bottom half. He's got Matusevic and Carlos Taberner, another guy who has had a lot of success, but it's usually on the clay courts. Meanwhile, we've all seen Bernard Tomic make a second week of Wimbledon on grass. Is Bernard Tomic a lock? Is that a yes or no, David? No. Yeah, it's always a no. That's fair. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I actually have another lock that I when I when I was thinking about it. But okay, I'll tell you why. Do you want me to tell you why? Please. Do you want please. me to? Okay. So, who I have coming to this section is, you probably get, you could probably guess it, Matusevic. Uh, and I'll <laughs> tell you why. He, I, he's only world number five forty-seven. He got a wild card into the qualifying draw. But I really like how he's been playing this grass court season. He started off the grass court season by playing Ramanathan, who's a stereotypical grass quarter. He lost that match in the third set tiebreak in the qualifying of Nottingham 1. But during Nottingham 2, he beat top 100, Mikhail Ymer, uh, Ymer, uh, Thomas Fabiano. And he's a very clean ball striker. He has good depth and precision. His shots generally stay low on grass. He has good tennis IQ. And he's also has a good dry, I think, until Tomic. Uh, you know, Zapata Morales uh, to, or Tomic are really the players that he could play in the uh, final qualifying round. In the next round, he's going to play another clay quarter in Taberner, who's in form, definitely. He won the challenger last week in France, but uh, I just don't see him as a grass court player. Um, so I think Matusevic uh, advances. It's a good argument to make. And again, this is why you turn to David's qualifying preview article for the tidbits like that. Um, again, it, that would be probably the outer bounds of anyone I would consider a lock. You look at some of the other sections. I'm fascinated to see Botik Bendesen's goal. That's, uh, that's what I was going to say. Is yeah, my com- other lock. Uh, so 
This is an interesting case because you look at Botic throughout his career, the success he's had at various events. And, you know, again, the surfaces that he's been best at he's 31 and 19 in his last 52, obviously had a huge performance, knocking off Hercots, taking Davidovich Fokina to five sets at the French open lost in Queens club qualifying seven, six in the third to wild card, James Ward. You look at his section of the draw. That's perhaps where things get interesting. Certainly he's got, Got far bigger weapons in the serve, the forehand, than Paolo wow. Lorenzi. Uh, you know, uh, after that, it would be Chelik Bellic or Lestien. The seed in his section is Sabeth Vild, who has certainly struggled of late as well. You look for Botik van de I know he had some success on the hard courts at the challenger level at the end of last season, but... Do you think those ground strokes are a little too big for grass courts? That would be my concern. These takes big cuts at the ball, and that's hard to do on a grass court. Yeah, I definitely that. The fact that he won in that match against Ward. On grass, you generally want to be serving well. So the fact that he only won 36% of his second serve points, 16 out of 45, that's a little disturbing. Uh, but when I, the reason really why I have him being a lock is because look at his section. Lorenzi in the first round, he, Paulo, great player, great fighter. He's at the end of his career. Uh, Selic Bilek and Lestian both could give him some problems, but I just think he's better. And then in the other half, we have three clay quarters and then Comke, who's okay, but not going to beat someone of the quality of Van de Zenschel in this type of scenario. So I just really think that the section sets up well for him. And I think that he's going to qualify, but you never know. Um, maybe Lorenzi will pull off one final uh, upset in his career. Yeah. No, again, it, it's, it's a very interesting section. Certainly he's got the serve and the sort of aggression, Votic van Senskulp, uh, that you would think, okay, uh, this is a guy who should have the sort of six or should have some success on a fast surface like grass. But again, it's all up in the air. We will see. Now, I know you offered your predictions uh, on on Twitter and certainly everyone can go again at tennis blogger one to go find them. As we wrap up our discussion here of the men's qualifying, is there any section in particular we haven't discussed? I know for me, one I'll be keeping my eye on, Serendolo, Tabilo, Varias, all in that same section. Who comes through there? That's fascinating to me. A potential Nakashima, Andre Martin, final round qualifying match. That could be fascinating as well. Any other sections in particular? Casper Zouk, Dennis Kudla hopefully happens round two because that's a match that I feel like was built for us, David. Uh, anything else in particular you're going to be watching for? I, I I know he's a controversial player. I love watching Ram Kumar Ramanathan, especially when he's on faster surfaces where he can really employ his serve and volley. He's one of the last serve and volleyers, true serve and volleyers we have left on tour. He's always come to the net. He's doing these different slices and the, and the perfect volleys and huge first serves, and he's screaming after points. And making a scene on court but it's just so fun to watch it's almost like the way Cressy used to play uh too where he's that just imposing himself on his opponents uh so he I really love his grass court game he starts off with uh Kovalik, uh which is a clay who is a good player but a clay quarter so he has a good chance there to advance and then Echeverry Ilkel Il Ilkel could be tough he's 
has some bigger ground strokes, a decent serve. Echeverry's more of a clay type player, but he played well last week. But on clay, it's just hard to make that clay to grass transitions for someone like Echeverry. So we'll see. Uh, I really love, but anyways, I really love watching Ram Kumar Ramanathan. I root for him all the time. He's up a set right now over Kovalev, and I fully expect him to qualify. He's not a lock, but I fully expect him to qualify. Yeah, uh, that's all a fair point. Um, I oh, I, I wanted to say, you know, it's funny. Before this morning, I would have put Peter Gojvitz in my auto. Like, I think he's a lock to qualify. He loses to Jason Jung today, and now I think that section is wide freaking open. Um, the other section I would mention uh, that we haven't talked about yet. It's the bottom half of uh, bottom of the top half. So Greek Sport beat Fabiano today. And Thomas Fabiano is a guy we've seen have success in the main draw of Wimbledon. Was that 2019? It was either that or 2018. Yes, 2019. He yeah, beat he, and he beat Opelka as well, I think. Um, but anyways, 7-5, uh, Greek Sport beats him in the third. And now it's going to be Greek Spore versus uh, former junior Wimbledon champion Shintaro Manchizuki. That's a fascinating section to me. I also love, uh, you know, the Gunas Suarin, Ferry, Bayes, Ebden section. You look at those scores right now. Arthur Ferry, who just completed his freshman year at Stanford, knocked off Gunas Suarin, 6-1-7-6. You look, oh, shout out to my boy Casper Zook, did knock out Lucas Rosal today, 3-3. Three and three. You look, uh, Ebden and Bayes have split. Uh, so first set 7-6 Bayes, second set 6-3 Matt Ebden. That's a wide open section to me. Like I know Greek Spores played very well of late, but Machizuki's going to give him a I, run. He's just, <laughs> I think he's got that creativity, David. I think he's got the slices. I think he's got the angles. I think he's got the comfort um, moving on this surface. I think that's a really fun match. And then again, Greek Spores just played a physical battle against Fabiano. Yeah. Here's the, here's the problem with Machizuki. Mo, Mo, I don't think he has the, type of power necessary he won today 54 percent of his first serves and 38 percent of his second serves against a player like greek sport that's not going to cut uh and he's not going to get a serve like gaston in, in greek sport serve gaston won 64 percent of his first serves 23 percent of his second serves greek sports first and second serve is miles better than or miles better than gaston's and i think he's going to take advantage of mochizuki's Weaker second serve. Now, on the other hand, I think that Arthur Ferry, who you mentioned and just uh, finished at Stanford uh, first year, he's a very promising young player who I am very excited to see how he does in the second round against either Ebden or Baez. Uh, Ebden's a good grass quarter too. So if he can get past Baez, excuse me, uh, he will have a good chance of qualifying. I, I believe that's who I predicted was Ebden, but yeah, it could be any one of those three, I think. Greek Spore, Ferry, Ebden. What's so fascinating is it does feel, again, when you have a section where three of the four remaining players or, you know, whomever it may be, feel like they can all win. Again, that speaks to the parody, the fun of these matches. By the way, Duty Sela, five all in the third set right now against Parker. So he is still out there battling. Again, you offered your predictions on Twitter. I won't ask you to repeat them now. Everyone can go find them there. After the morning session of first-round matches, are there any picks you regret already? Is there anything you'd like to change before we move on to the women? I'm, I'm trying to, to think if any of my players have gotten out yet. I I don't think so, to All be right. honest. I think I'm still in the game. Maybe I'm missing one. Oh, Fabiano. 
Yeah. Oh no. Well, uh, you know what? At least none of the four in my article are out yet. That, yeah. That was a disaster <laughs> during the French Open. One of my four, I picked four, uh, and then one of them uh, went right out. So you picked uh, four locks. Dare I say? I think I think that's what happened. I remember. No, I picked. Uh, I remember. Zap- I think Baez went out early in French Open qualifying, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and that I was really, yeah, that makes sense. I hope for his sake he wins today. That would be so interesting if he went out early at the French on his best surface and won a round or two at uh, on his what should be his worst surface. That's just what he does, David. He likes to throw us for a loop. But again, that's your scene in men's qualifying. Uh, the first round, I believe both halves taking place today on the women's side you've got half of your first round qualifying the half of the matches that were scheduled to start today anyways and it should be again a really fun draw a very wide open event it's so interesting because i believe she's yet to play a grass court match in her career but david when you look at the number one seed in the women's qualifying draw it is young promising maria camilla osorio serrano uh she's your number one seed your two seed uh here on the week is going to be tomova three seed sarah arani four seed kalinskaya you know again i could go all through the draw but i'll ask you the same question i asked to start the last one you have any locks in this section people you think for sure are advancing to that main draw oh man uh in terms of the women's women's tennis right now is wide open uh the only player who i there is not a single player that i'm super confident in i would say if i had to choose a lock like because even Karankova and Koden Hu would be, would be playing each other in the final qualifying round. So those are two players that if they were in different sections, I might say are locked. I would say Alexander Trunich is, I think her game works really well on clay. And I think that she's going to, she's the, she's the player that I am most confident in, in qualifying, but even she might have to play Clara Burrell in the final qualifying round. Uh, she's in Sarah Irani's section. Uh, so Irani obviously is the polar opposite of a of a grass quarter so that was a really good section for Kroonich to get in uh so we'll say what do you think about that one uh, it's so, t- I mean, there's so many good matches that are set up if they hold seed across the board. Now I do think, you know, even Kalinskaya, your number four seed, she'd have potentially Rakamova in that final round qualifying who's played so well. And you talk about it, Irani Burel, or even Irani Vickery, even Irani Kur- uh, Krunich. Those are all interesting matchups at- uh, across the board. It's interesting. There's Shin Yu and Shi Yu Wang, uh, the two players from China. You could right. argue they're the two favorites in their section that I would oh, take. I have, yeah, I would yeah, take I Shi Yu over I would take Shi Yu over Osorio Serana. I would also take Shin Yu Wang to advance over her section after the seed dropped out there. Um, we had an alternate go in their place. Those would be two of my locks. I think Freedom, your number five seed's a lock. I just look at that section. Yes, Bonaventure is good, but Freedom's played some really uh quality tennis i just think she's got the aggression to do it well on the grass also what do you think about uh how dad my my i know she's played a lot on clay but her game it's a big lefty game i, I think she can have success here i really do it's and interesting i, I have had to success look. in 2019 in 2019 she made the uh ra- she made the second round of uh wimbledon uh or third mm. round actually yeah but i think that bonaventure match i think they beat each other up 
Like I do. I think that match gets really physical. I do think Adadmaya advances through this first round of qualifying and she can absolutely get through qualifying. I just, I like Friedson. Again, that's more a pick on Friedson than a pick against Adadmaya, but you're right. Adadmaya has won everything she's played. It feels like these past 15 months as she's rehabbed her way back uh, towards the top of the women's game. She does have the explosion too. That's a uh, I'm not ready to take her out of lock category, though. I'm going to leave right. him in there, but you almost talked me out of it. We're, again, it's good that we disagree every so often. We're disagreeing a lot today. That's good. That's, that's the fun of qualifying. You mentioned it, the Anaconia Peronkova matchup. That's going to be fantastic. Katie McNally versus Magdalena Freak. Uh, has the potential to be really, really fun as well as a potential final round qualifying battle. I do think McNally has the game, the explosion to be so good on these grass courts throughout her career. So I think if the draw, like, she is not a player I want to face if I, if she's able to qualify through this main draw. I mean, you You know what my favorite section is for the women's round? The bottom one. It's the bottom one with Lou, Sharma, uh, De Lorenzo, it's like it's like the uh, I know Sharma's not American, but it's like she went to Vanderbilt. Uh, so it's like kind of like the American section. You have Lou versus Loeb, you have De Lorenzo in there, you have Sharma. I think it's uh, I think that's setting up to be a very fun section. No, Claire Lou's played awesome tennis of late. Now she's someone who's had a lot of success on clay in her careers, both in the juniors and in the pros, but she's just a baller. And Look, Jamie Loeb is a fighter as well. Those are two players who uh, Jamie Loeb in particular is going to want to be on top of the baseline, inside that baseline, taking the ball early. I mean, that's a fun first-round match. You look elsewhere, Adi Lorenzo, tricky lefty. Yeah, and you've got three college players in the section as well. Loeb, NCAA champion, UNC. Adi Lorenzo, I believe, NCAA champion, Ohio State. Sharma, NCAA champion while at Vanderbilt. Jenny Kova brings the drama. Uh <laughs> I'll never forget 2019 U.S. Open qualifying. Do you remember that when she was? Uh, I can't remember this. But do you remember that match though? I, who did she play? Uh, You're gonna have to remind me. Unfortunately, uh, Sober was involved in some major drama in call U.S. Open 2019 qualifying. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up later. It, I, I don't want to go on another tangent. It's no, I, I like it. That's fair. Um, some of the other sections. I mean, if you would have asked 19-year-old me, like, hey. Is Mayo Hibby and Whitney Osigwe, are they both going to be future champions? I would have been like, duh. Like, have you not watched the Colette Lewis videos on YouTube? Um, <laughs> but that's a really, really fun first-round match. I like. There's a world where Osigwe like, just goes running into the top 75. You watch her when it looks good. It looks very, very good. Her fluidity out of corners, the ball, the way it explodes off of her racket. But then there are times when it looks horrible. And like Hibby's just going to put so much constant pressure on you and the slices she plays with. I think that's a really fun first round match. And I think Hibby on this surface is dangerous because again, Definitely. just the, the variety she throws at you. Yeah, her slices remind me a little of Nicolette. That's a great actually. comp. That's great. Yeah, I agree. She's actually you. also in the draw. Uh, yeah, she's in that uh, Christian, uh, I believe, that Vogel section. section very well, right? favorable for Nicolette. Although Caroline Dahlheide talked about a power tennis, a game that likes to move forward. I On this surface, I'm intrigued. I am too, but I is she going to be able to deal with Nicole if they both make it to the final qualifying round? Do I see her being able to deal with Nicholas, use slices and dices, 
I don't really know. I can see a lot of shanks from Dolahide in that one. No, absolutely. Again, up and down the board. Uh, you look here in this match. It's so funny because it does feel like a lot of the next geners who on the women's side are already in the top 100, right? They don't need to play qualifying anymore. They've gotten into the main draw, but are there any next geners, any players who have been on the rise of later, whatever it may be, David, that you're keeping your eye on. They may not be seated, but you think they're dangerous here in the women's qualifying. Well, we already talked about one. She's seated number 16, but we, uh, Claire Lou, I yeah. think is one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I, let me see if she's a next-genner. One second. I want to see if she's a next-genner. Because I, I love her. I, I watched her a lot last summer during uh, uh, pandemic the pandemic. Tennis, of course. Uh, she's 22. So, Pana Udbardi, uh in the top section of the draw with the Soria Serrano. She's playing in the first round against uh, uh, Veronica Sepeda-Roy. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Udvardi's backhand. If mm-hmm. you haven't seen Udvardi's backhand, it's incredible i think that yes she's probably best on clay but i can see her backhand doing a lot of damage on these grass courts i can see her beating sepida and i can see her putting up a huge fight against either uh liang or osorio serrano um so she's just a kind of an she's 22 years old she's kind of under a very under the radar name but i think she's someone to look out for and in the next couple of years. And I think maybe she'll start making some noise here. No, that's exactly the sort of answer I was looking for, for the record. Um, you know, it's interesting. Talon sky is the number four seed. She's someone to keep an eye on, but I know she's seated in this event. I don't know technically if it counts as an X Jenner anymore. I think she, I mean, in my definition, she does. Uh, but Annalena Kalnina, who you look now, I believe, 24 years old, the Ukrainian, who uh, you look at what she was able to do with the French Open, come through qualifying, beat Kerber before getting knocked off by Danielle Collins. Now, you look at her results over the past 52 weeks. They've been fine. They haven't been outstanding. But when I watch Kalanina play, when it looks right, it looks so freaking good, David. The ball just explodes yeah. off of her racket. And you look for her currently ranked number 125, 23 and 11, actually, in her last 52. Now, you know, some of that includes a 25K title, a 60K title. Obviously, when you're playing these events now here, you're playing Grand Slam qualities. You're playing a higher caliber of player. But, right. you know, she's coming off of qualifying at the last Slam event. Uh, she played around, you know, it was a three set loss for her in Nottingham at the 100 K, but she did get her three sets in. She did get the week to train on the grass. I just think again, when, when it looks right for her, her upside, I, I, I see the top 100 talent. I see the ball striking ability. I see the ability to play on her terms. You look at her section of the draw Garcia Perez, top, top uh, one. Yeah, that that's an absolutely a tough Big first player. match. But if she, I think if she can get through that one, she's maybe the you know I think that's the toughest match perhaps in the section. Yeah, I I think that uh, Garcia Perez is going to be tough. She, big big serve, mm-hmm. big hitter. I think that also um, is this one second. Um, I think that she also is going to have a tough time with because I I would just look to see if I had her qualifying and I don't so I'm trying to figure out where I would have her slipping up so you think she's a lock I don't know if it's quite lock but it's just someone I'm keeping my eye on because again when it looks like it it's a first match and she plays I think 2 p.m today here on Tuesday when we're recording this podcast 
if she can get through Garcia, it's just, I, I just think yeah. Kalina is a confidence player, and she I has have, confidence right now. I have Gasanova advancing, and I think I probably did that because I have Garcia Perez beating Kalanina in the first round. Gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. Because I, I also wrote in my predictions, um, which are also on Twitter, if anyone wants to see them, uh, which if you want to see the losers, <laughs> they're on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, I wrote wide open next to the section because um, it is wide open. And, but I think that Garcia Perez gets the win over Colonina, although neither result would surprise me. And then the other part of this section, I think might be one of the weakest mini sections of the draw with uh, Diachenko taking on Han and Di Giuseppe taking on Kawa. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are, you know, Cow is a the seed here, number twenty five seed. She's much better in clay. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly, which is why I'm so interested in this section, Kalanina. By the way, because Kawa, I don't know if she makes it to final round qualifying. Yeah, it. I mean, who knows? Like Diachenko can make it. Uh, mm-hmm. Diachenko uh, just uh, qualified for Birmingham. So yeah, and by the way. Gasanova is like 22 years old, or I think 20, yeah, two years old as well. And she's been playing pretty well of late. She made a quarterfinal earlier this year in St. Petersburg, round of 16 in Abu Dhabi as well. I think she beat Pliskova in Abu Dhabi. Uh, so we've seen her have some success, certainly on fast surfaces. It does, to your point, you, you sort of mentioned it. If anyone has watched women's tennis closely over the past six months, 18 months, honest to God, four years, you'll know that parody is a central feature that it's so often, it's not just at the grand slam level, but these 500s and two fifties and 1000 level events. And even here in qualifying, it's the players that are hot, right? The players with the momentum right. because the margins are so thin. And again, when I'm looking at players with momentum, not to beat this drum once again, but Kalanina is a player who you look at that record. Uh, it speaks for itself 23 and 11 in the last 52. That's certainly going to breed confidence, right? Right, absolutely. And especially because, like I said before, that a lot of players don't have a ton of experience on grass. So a lot of players are going to play their clay court or hardcore game on grass and just hope it works. And mm-hmm. so you have a better chance of it working if you're in form. Uh, yeah. So it's- we'll see. But that's also why I'm kind of a little higher on Garcia Paris, just because I think she actually has a game that can translate to grass. Um, even though her results on grass aren't great, uh, I still think that she has a decent chance of going on a run here no, or losing to Gasanova. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> or Kalanina. Who knows? That section, I'm still like in my head, I'm like pinball, pin, uh, pinballing around. Like, who did I make a mistake with Gasanova predicting Gasanova? Did you stick with your Vanderbilt roots now and pick Sharma to advance out of that Sharma Lou section? No, I picked uh, Lou. I just think that wow. I think Lou's a little tighter from the baseline. Interesting, but Sharma plays so aggressive, and you think on these grass courts, or at least her comfort level moving forward, perhaps a little bit higher than Claire Lou's. And yeah, so, that's true. And you know, again, we are on grass course, but that's interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna tweet out predictions later today, David. That's what I feel like I owe you at the least. But Damien tweeted out his for the men too. Yeah, uh, no, I'll, I'll I'll double up. I promise. You'll get my men's. You'll get my women's. And I feel like at this point, I've got to pick Calnina, right? Like that's just a yeah. must. It would be a complete bailout if I don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't do that to you. So again, we'll lock that one in. Oh, by the way, you're looking good. Ebden now up 5-1 in the third set on Sebastian Baez. So it looks like- Yeah, but I'm kind of- I like Sebastian. So I like, yeah, I predicted it. And like, at the same time, Baez is a, you know, he's having a tough time in Grand Slam qualities and I'm a little, you know, a little sad for him, but let's see what happens at the U S open. I think hard courts will suit him better than grass. Yeah, that's fair. And again, that speaks to what you said on last week's pod. The idea that uh, does he have the weapons to succeed at the ATP level is a question we still need to have answered. Uh, but again, any final thoughts on this women qualifying matchup? Any final thoughts on just in general uh, this Wimbledon qualifying? Uh, because certainly it is a challenger event on steroids. Yeah, it, it and especially for instance on today, which today for us is uh, it's Tuesday, right? I think it's it Tuesday. is indeed uh, Tuesday. Um, it's Tuesday, so yesterday was a rain out so we just have tennis overload today um i'm gonna now be watching that garcia paris galanina match very close i think uh see what happens there yeah no i I, absolutely again it is uh you know the grand slam action starts next week but the grand slam really starts this week with the qualifying action and if you are a tennis hardcore fan you're a listener of this podcast you likely already know this fact but again you can watch all of that qualifying mat at action and uh it always delivers the goods so be sure to check it out and you know again with that in mind, since I have you here, because we do see so many of these players competing week in, week out on the challenger level, we had five ATP challengers last week. Now, I'm not going to force you to go through all of them with me, David, because, of course, if I did that, we'd be here for at least another hour, we'll say tentatively. But I do want to ask about some of the highlights we saw across okay. the board and just kind of rapid fire our way through these challengers. So let's start in Nottingham. Alex okay. Bolt ends up as your champion. He knocks out Mackie in the semis. He knocks out Matrizak in the final. I yes, mentioned guys. earlier, Matrizak three-set win over Kudla in that uh, in that quarterfinal match. You you mentioned it. Richard Gasquet is the one knocked out as he retires in the third set with an injury against Alex Bolt. Anything shock you here? Like for me, when I looked at this tournament, uh, this actually made me feel a bit more confident. It made me think, okay, maybe I do know what to expect going into this grass court season because you look at the names uh, that had success. Bolt's a guy who's had success on grass before. Mackey's a guy who's done it. Certainly, Matrizak, you can see the weapons he has. And, you know, for Kudla to make up the final the week before and to get to the quarterfinals, that felt like for him to beat Kevin Anderson was the win he was looking for out of the week. I even thought in Brandon Nakashima going three sets with Fabiano that bode well for him heading into this week's qualifying action any rapid fi- again we're rapid firing here that was not a rapid fire series of questions but any takeaways thoughts from Nottingham too I gotta say that I kind of chuckle when I see that Bolt won this because he was <laughs> god awful on clay like god awful yeah. he could not win a match and now all of a sudden, as soon as he gets to the grass, yes, he lost last week too in Nottingham uh, one to Liam Brody who's a really good player but now, I mean, you see why, when you watch Bolt, you see exactly why he's so good on grass. He has that lefty serve that just cuts at wide, that just cuts through the grass courts. He has a very aggressive game. He's good at the net. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he uh, won, won uh, this uh, challenger. But at the same time, he had to beat Gasquet, McDonald, Zach, uh, which is just a brutal final three rounds. So kudos to him for 
And he beat uh, Ebden too. I, although Ebden retired, he did beat Ebden. He's another good grass court player. So it was a really tough road for him, but he did it, and it was really impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he's got he's a sort of shot maker, and again, the creativity, the boldness that fits well on a grass court, and you know, again, that Gasquet injury, it kind of felt like once Gasquet won that second set, he might've had him, but then Gasquet didn't have anything left in the tank. And, you know, you could kind of tell, uh, again, in that final for Bolt, he just, there was a, he kind of played carefree tennis. It was literally the sort of fuck it. Like I haven't had that much success of late. I'm just going to go for my shots. We'll see what happens. Uh, sort of tennis that is very, very exciting to watch. And so I would very much, uh, agree with you. I thought that he played, uh, some really, really good tennis and yeah, it is after the clay results he had, you certainly chuckle to yourself, uh, after, uh, and after he ends up with the title here but that's your results in nottingham again i think those were all the notable takeaways a lot of things we sort of maybe knew heading into the event you move to our next events in aon provence france where ultimately it was uh carlos to burner earning the title over Manuel Guinard. You look forward to Berner. He had wins on the week uh, over Vatutin, uh, over Kazao, over Olivo, over Jacquet, and then again, a two and two win for him in the final over Guinard. You look for Manuel Guinard, who uh, is able to knock off Carbea Spania, your number one seed in the round of 16. He beats Lamassine. He beats Elias Emer to reach the final. Your thoughts on all the action there, David? Yeah, I mean, Taberner is just a brutal player to play on clay. He is just so consistent. He's able to take the offense. Uh, he's able to get a little aggressive at times, but he's a wall. He's a good counter puncher. He held everybody but Batutin in the uh, first round to under 50% second serves one, um, which uh, he just attacked second serves. He's he is. He had a great match, uh, especially a great first set against uh, Arthur Cazot, who is another rising player in the uh, second round of the challenger. And after that, he he just really played excellent clay court tennis. He beat Kyrian Jacquet in a three setter, which was the only set he lost all week. And he lost that second set uh, seven six nine seven in the third set tiebreak. I mean, the second set tiebreak, and mentally. He could have clapped. Jacquet had all the momentum. He was playing. Jacquet was playing at home in France. And then Taverner beat him 6 out in the third. And that just showed me, okay, Taverner's probably winning this title. Great mental strength and really solid player. Although, I don't know how high he can rise because I just don't see those big weapons that yeah. I think are going to be necessary. And we no. saw that a little bit at the French Open. He qualified, but then Safulian another qualifier just kind of hit him off the court. Mm -hmm. No, it's so interesting. You look in the top 300 right now, here are the players under the age of 25 that are in the top uh, Spanish players under the age of 25 in the top 100. You know, Davidovich Fokina is leading the pack at number 35. Munars, number 69. Alcaraz, obviously you think that's going to be the big one for them. He's number 75 right now. Then you've got Martinez, Taberner, Zapata Morales, Nicola Kuhn, Carlos Camino Valero, uh, all inside the top 300. Now, of all of those names, you know, Alcaraz is probably a guy you think maybe he's got the top 10 talent, Davidovich Fokina, a guy who can stick around in the top 30 for a while. It's an interesting class of Spanish men's talent, uh, Spanish men's tennis talent, because you don't have 
you know, Almagro, Verdasco, and uh, Ferrer, and all of the, the countless Spanish players who were, you know, so, so talented right alongside of Rafael Nadal through the 2000s. But you do have a pretty solid group, David, of guys who I think are going to hover in or around that top 100 for probably the next decade. Yeah, and, and they're all a lot of them are nightmares on to play on clay. Uh, oh, for sure. So I really, yeah, I mean, there's going to be the. You're right, solid. That's how I would put it. They're solid. They're not going to contend for majors, but they're also going to be hanging around those two fifty five hundred events on clay and causing issues for top players there. You know, every once in a while. So. And if anyone is listening to this point of the podcast, tweet at tennis blogger one at great shot pod with your answer. Who ends up with more ATP titles in this decade, the Spanish men or the American men? On any surface, any surface, I would say Spanish men. So you're betting Alcaraz and Davidovich Fokina ATP level titles over the grouping of Fritz Opelka, Paul Tiafo, Nakashima Korda. I just, Maybe we'll. that, when I said that, I was just thinking like, they're just going to start racking up two fifties on clay, but no, yeah, you're right. True. You're right. You're right. No, you are right. I am wrong. I, well, I, I, I the thing so is much. who ends up with the most titles. You do you take Alcaraz or Corda? You probably lean. Ooh, I don't know, man. I'm going to lean Alcaraz. That's fair. I would maybe lean quarter just because I think it's going to work so well across surfaces. I don't, I just don't know the answer for Alcaraz yet. It's so tough to say. So we're like Al- Alcaraz is still so they're both still so young. It's so hard to say. Yeah, no, I would lean American men, but I don't feel great about it. Um, but anyways, yeah, you, you sort of nailed it with all of the takeaways. I will say Elias Emer is playing really, really good tennis. And, you know, I think there will be a time when both he and Mikhail are simultaneously inside the top 100. That's a bet I'm willing to make at some point this decade. Really nice win for him in three sets over Francisco Serendolo. What's going on with our boy, David? What's going on with Francisco Serendolo? Got the win today, but it feels like he's been a bit underwhelming since that South American clay courts win. Um, wait, you're saying that I, yeah. So Francisco, his forehand is not, I watched some of his match with Emer who, uh, sorry, I got confused just because Emer lost today in mm-hmm. Wimbledon qualifying, but you're talking about when, uh, Francisco beat him last, or lost to him last week. Um, yes, correct. Last, so Francisco, I, th- when I was watching some of the match against Emer, his forehand just was not as potent as it usually is. And he was missing a lot, uh, he was just, you know, baseline just was not super consistent. And Emer was just putting balls deep in the court. And Sirandolo was would try to go big, but he just wouldn't be able to lay, hit his targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you look then, for him. I was going to say, you look for him since he made that Buenos Aires final in March. He is, uh, I believe he's t- eight laws. He's five and eight overall. And, you know, again, I know he played Roland Garros qualifying, made final round of qualifying, ended up losing to Giannessi, got a lucky loser, loses a match to Diego Montero. In a vacuum, those two losses are fine. But, like, the loss in Lyon to Maxime Janvier, the loss even last week to Emer, and then, you know, he qualifies in Belgrade. I suppose that was actually a very good result before getting knocked out by Popper in 7-6 in the third. But it just feels like, you know, the losses to Kovalik, to Bagnus, to Marten on the clay in early April. 
I just, I would have liked to, I, I feel like he may have gotten in his head a bit after that final in Buenos Aires. Yeah, it's tough when you first experience uh, that much success. It's it's hard to deal with it. And mm-hmm. especially, he had so much, like in Buenos Aires, he was at home mm-hmm. having that success. It's so much easier to play your best when you're in front of, you know, when you're in your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... We'll see. I, there's going to be growing pains with both him and Juan Manuel. Juan Manuel. Who ends up with the, Who oh, ends yeah. up with the higher ranking? Our our biannual, or I suppose our quarterly update on higher upside, Francisco and Juan Manuel. Which side do you lean in? Still lean Francisco. Bigger weapons. I agree with you. That is my pick as well. And again, that is your Aon Provence update. We're rapid firing through these last ones now here in the Czech Republic. You had Coria over Mokan in the final. You had Majer Kolar making the semifinals. Good to see Zidane Kolar continue his success here at the challenger level of the season. Your quarterfinalists were Svrivsina, Rola, Delian, Kamka. Your thoughts on everything we saw unfold, David? Yeah, so I'll just make this real quick. Uh, Coria solid clay quarter he just is was probably i didn't get to see that final it was at 3 10 my time in the morning uh but uh mulkan is has had a great last couple of months uh really fun style great really creative lefty game but choreo is just more solid and in a final being solid is more important than having the more flashy shots so it does not shock me that choreo won that um yeah. yeah. I would say that's a good summary. Cordia, really, really good on clay. So is Kolar. So is Jean-Luca Magere. So is Alex Mulcan. These are the results we are seeing week in, week out. Those are three guys we have talked about extensively on these podcasts throughout this year. Uh, not a surprise to see them have success. You look, I uh, was surprised, by the way, to see, uh, to see our boy, um, to see our boy Sebastian Baez lose early in the event. That was not something I expected to see happen. You look, uh, we'll move now to El Monte 2. Jasper DeJong comes through qualifying, knocks off Andre Martin in the semifinals, and Marcelo Tamos Barrios Vera, one and two in the final. Yeah. Week of, week of the, probably the week of his career for Jasper DeJong. Yeah, in the final, he held uh, Barrios to 56% first serves one, 35% second serves one, and broke him four times while winning 73% of his first serves and 87% of his second serves and not getting broken himself. That screams blowout. I saw John play um, really well on a South American clay court challenger late last year, and then he kind of went away back to the futures, um, and now he's doing great again in on clay. Really uh, solid game. I don't know how high he can go, rise up the rankings, but he thoroughly deserved this title uh, this week. Uh, Had good wins over uh, Copahans and Bonadio, who I both think are great on clay. Or not great, but very good on clay. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I I would agree with you there. I would say, again, I'm such a big Marcelo Thomas Barrio Vera fan, but I think we've talked about that enough. Good to see him have success. Uh, good to see a quarterfinal for Braden Schnur on clay. I know that's a random note, but that's not a surface we've seen him have a ton of success on. And it does feel like Schnur's starting to play a little bit better now. So, I, I you know, again, yep. 
very happy to see him make that quarterfinal there. You move on to our last one of the week. Uh, or excuse me, I think we've, we've got one more, right? Yeah, last no, one. No, this here. is the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. last one of the week. Uh, Max Meringue knocks off Quinton Halise, 7-5 in the third in that final. Meringue knocked off my guy, Thomas Martin Echeverry in the semifinals. Halise got the win over Gastow Elias in those semifinals as well. You look at your quarterfinalists, it was Diaz, Forti, Francasio, Berrettini. Uh, again, good week for the Italians. Julie Berrettini, not yes, Matteo. Yes, yes, Jacopo, uh, of course. Or, yeah, um, sorry, Jacopo. Yeah, but you look for uh, the results here. Again, another semifinal under the belts for Tomas Martin Echeverri. I think it's pretty clear he continues to make that slow, steady progress week in, week out. But, you know, again, sometimes Matt Sverang does this, right, where he just, you know, 6'6", he's just serving lights out and – there's just not much you can do. Yeah, in the in the final, he won eighty seven percent of his first serve points. Uh, but I will say that Halise had two match points in that match. He, I, I hate saying this. He choked. Uh, yeah. He hit two on the two match points. He hit two of the most tentative shots I've ever seen. You know, in that type of situation, barely the ball I believe landed at or right in front of the uh, service line, popped right up, easy put-aways for Meringue. He's going to be kicking him. Then he broke himself, and then he had a chance, not a break point, but he was really in that last service game when Meringue was uh, nervous and serving for the match, and he just couldn't get it done. So he'll be kicking himself, but Meringue deserved the title, served huge all week, just was hitting the ball like it was shot out of a cannon uh so great week for him yeah no i yes yes to everything you said i completely agree with you there and again it was a five challenger week so much tennis for us to enjoy the good news if you want to hear more about the challengers specifically you can tune into our other great shot podcast episode this week where damian kush yakababro break down all the action they talk more in depth, but you sent out a tweet this morning, David, and this will be our final thing. And then I promise I'll let you go because you sent out a tweet today. I believe it was about Yuri Laheka. Was it him or Jonas Foryacek? Who was? Uh, was so yesterday I tweeted about Foryacek. Today I was all about AMM. Do you know AMM is? Uh, Adrian Mar- Menendez Macieras, please. Yes. Come that, on, that, was my, that was my challenger tweeting today. Well, uh, yesterday was- there was a lot of Ulysses Blanche slander that I just wasn't in the mood for. I was just like, come on. Dude. Like, I was like, you're going after my guy. Yeah, no, it was. I'll tell you what. Blanche, so much potential. I've been talking about Blanche a lot recently. Blanche has a lot of potential. Huge serve, huge forehand. But backhand isn't great and his rally talent he loves to bail out of rallies this is when he doesn't win the points quickly and that both of those need to change if he wants to reach his potential if you blended Juan Manuel Serendolo and Ulysses Blanche would that player be top 50 oh yeah top like, 30 no question right like that player would be if you could find the middle ground between the two of them if you could have the ball explode off of the racket for Juan Manuel Serendolo like it does for Ulysses Blanche meanwhile if you could just have that relentless grind uh, in Ulysses a Blanche that is in Juan Manuel Serendolo that would be a perfect player um 
But yeah, I mean, Blanche ended up winning yesterday. What's so fascinating for Blanche is when he's serving big and that forehand is landing, like good freaking luck. He hits the ball so heavy and he, it just right. sounds like a sonic boom is coming off of his racket whenever he makes contact. And look, that's a good win over Garcia Lopez. And hey, Garcia it, Lopez was not playing well at all. He's at the end of his career. That's fair. Um, it was it was on clay. Just for those that don't know, it, it was Milan challenger, the only challenger this week on clay. Um, mm-hmm. Garcia Lopez was playing terrible, to be honest. He was not near the player that he once was. Uh, so I think for the next round, Blanche is going to have to off his game if he wants to be at Djokovic. That's fair. And look, uh, the reason I brought up the, the Laheka for you check is because then we had Damien Kuz write about the young checks on our website, crackrackets.com, about a month ago. But we almost got a Laheka for you check battle. Instead, Gastel Elias, who's been so good over these past few months, or Elias, excuse me, 6-4-6-2 win over for you check. He now has Yuri Laheka, who was a 3-6 and six winner over Luca Vani. I like Yuri's game and I, I like 40 checks game too. I, so your tweet was about for check, correct? Yeah. Yes. I was it, watching yesterday. In my I, head. I, and I think we talked about this before. I see Marcos Giro when I watch him play. Like, I know it's just like the way they hit their forehands, the length like of it. Am I wrong? I mean, your thoughts on the young checks as well. I know we've talked about it did, a little bit here, but I think they're both like, I like their games. I think Fourier check might have a longer windup on the forehand than her own, but I have to watch, but I maybe have to watch her own a little more closely and look for that specifically. Uh, but I can see that a little. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I just think both of them are very, I, I like, I think all of these young checks, I need to see more because I do see skills, the way they compete, the way they move the ball. Obviously both of them were highly ranked juniors as well. I just, it's the way, I don't know what it is. It's like the way he loads everything up the way it's so, I, I, I can't, I just like aesthetically, I watch the two of them play. Maybe it's the serve as well. The way they load that up, the way the forehands just like kind of whipped back behind their body. I see a lot of Giron in for you check. And again, we've seen Marcos Giron. What that means, he's a top 75 player now. Like he's I could see that great. for you check. Yeah. Hirona has been playing awesome. I, I did not expect him to reach where he's been recently. Uh, he beat Struff in uh Pele, right? Uh, he beat Struff, and it, I just, I just don't expect. I didn't ever expect that for him before the pandemic. I think he's really improved after the pandemic. Yeah, his movement. He just looks so healthy, like finally, and it's just so comfortable and confident. And it's just like with all the injuries he suffered after leaving UCLA and early on in his pro career, he was never, never able to find this sort of rhythm, and he has now. And so it has been delightful. But again. You look at this draw, Coria, your champ last week's your number one seed here in Milan, your number two seed, Holger Rune, who advanced six and five in his first round match. The three seed is Blanche, the four seed, Fasun Domina, who's already knocked out by Peja Christen, six love, three love, retirement due to injury. Any final thoughts on Milan? Any final thoughts on Wimbledon final uh, qualifying? Any final thoughts on anything, David, before we wrap today's show? Um. I just want to say that I really hope that uh, Arthur Rinder, Arthur Rinderneck is down a set to Matthias Borg right now, and I'm going to look like a jack if he loses. So <laughs> I really hope he wins. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to look like a jack. I think you'll look okay. But 
hey, look, getting predictions wrong, that's half the fun in this business. So, uh, you know, certainly, you know, again, don't I wouldn't worry about that. And I have keep your faith in Arthur. I think I think he's got it. I think he uh, I think he's going to end up pulling this off. But um, no, again, David, it is always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you. And I mentioned the plugging earlier. People can go read your qualifying column on last word on tennis. Can I get you locked into writing your most dangerous qualifiers in the main draw once those qualifiers are reached, once they're placed in the draw? Who are the qualifiers who can do the most damage? Can I get you to write that next week for Crack Rackets? I can do that, yes. Lock that in. I love it. We'll get you back on at the pod as well to talk a little Grand Slam tennis because I feel like we always – I don't want to typecast you. Like, you're not just watching Challengers. You're watching the 250s. You're watching the 500s. So, we'll get you on for Wimbledon as well. Any any content notes we should be following? Any things we should be looking for in the build-up to the year's third Grand Slam from you? Well, like we mentioned, I do have uh, the four players to watch in qualifying, which includes Arthur Rindertner, who I'm really hoping <laughs> to pull this off. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be writing content uh, across probably something on my blog, something on uh, Last Word, this article for y'all. Um, so I'm, there'll, there'll be stuff out there, and I'll tweet it out annoy, annoyingly. Um, I'll spam y'all's Twitter feeds. That's half the fun. Well, David, thank you as always. Glad to hear. It sounds like there's still a little pep in your step post Stan Van Gundy firing. And I know we talked about that last week, but feels like, again, I feel like it's an exciting time in the tennis world, an exciting time for all of us. So uh, thank you as always for taking the time to chat. Be safe, be healthy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Yep, of course. Take care, my friend. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with my friend David Gertler. A huge thank you to him, as always, for taking the time to come on the podcast. Again, you can read his thoughts on qualifying by checking out his article and last word on tennis. You can be on the lookout for his most dangerous qualifiers at the 2021 Wimbledon article to drop early next week on our website, crackrackets.com. And, of course, be on the lookout for more of David's contributions to us here at CR in the future. We're always grateful uh, for his work. Sincerely, no one follows the challenger beat. No one follows the various levels of tennis closer than David Gertler. So again, I thank you to him for taking the time to chat. But again, this is the first of many Wimbledon preview-centric podcasts we have planned for all of you listeners this week. We're going to be talking men's and women's contenders. We're going to be offering our panel of Crack Rackets experts answering the five biggest questions entering this 2021 Wimbledon. You're going to be able to read that on the website, crackrackets.com. Of course, we'll recap all of the action day in, day out on the Mini Break podcast as well. We've got you covered. Rest assured as we are excited for the year's third Grand Slam event to a officially begin. Of course, again, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to listen to the podcast, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, wherever you listen to your episodes. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the fuck of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Turner Tennis. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800 554 3707. But with that in mind, for my wonderful guests, David Gertler, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Turner Tennis, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.